This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and my co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. On today's pod, AJ and I will provide previews for all teams in the Pacific Division in the second of our four division preseason previews. And uh, at the end of it all, the, uh, we're going to come up with our predicted order of the final standings in this division just as we did last week with the Central, where we had some disagreement. And uh, that's food for thought all season long between the two of us. We don't have to agree on everything. Do we, partner? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, <clears throat> excited to, to dive into another one of these. Uh, we talked about all the unsigned RFAs last week. A number of them have signed. Um, there are still eight guys out there and some big names and Patrick Line and Braden Point, but uh, our, our friends in Boston – We'll be happy to see uh, Charlie McAvoy re-signed earlier this week. Brandon Carlos signed this morning. Uh, pretty decent price tags for those guys. McAvoy, 4.9 is going to be the cap hit there. Brandon Carlo, 2.85. Uh, you know, Travis Konechny in Philadelphia, Brock Besser uh, also signed. And then some other guy in Toronto signed his uh, his offer there as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been kind of an exciting time seeing these all come in. I think what's been most interesting interesting for me and you've kind of seen these across all these deals starting uh, really with uh, where uh, uh, is that that last year the total salary really jumps up that last year it keeps the the cap hit kind of manageable um, <clears throat> but they uh, basically are protecting themselves against an offer sheet uh, you know at the at the tail end there you look at you know like McAvoy's deal uh, his base salary 3.7 year one 3.7 year two 7.3 in year three uh, and that really just makes it uh, cost prohibitive for teams to to do the you know use that offer uh, not offer sheet um, qualifying offer rather um, you know after these deals end so really kind of interesting to see how how things have changed 
Paul, I'll let you talk about that uh, that gentleman uh, in Toronto there that signed that offer uh, that uh, contract. Yeah, that's Mitch Marner, obviously that you're talking about. Ten point eight nine three is the uh, cap hit, and it puts Leafs in the u- unique position of carrying three players with over a ten million dollar salary. None none of the previous teams that have ever tried this, so it's never happened where a team with this kind of a salary structure made the playoffs. But I'll I'll, I'll bet that even you're, you're on board that the Leafs have a really solid chance of making the postseason so they're carving out new ground it was an expensive deal but uh, we don't have to hear about salary contract stuff and uh, in Toronto with the big big players for a couple more years till Morgan Riley and Freddie Anderson come up for their renewals and I hope the salary cap rises between now and then otherwise we're going to need a <laughs> shoehorn here to get it done but uh, I'm, I'm surprised that Boston got their pair of defensemen done for a combined 7.7 million dollars when you're talking about two guys who are going to be linchpins here for a while but the fact of the matter is they signed shorter term deals and and they're going to get paid handsomely when when those deals run out if their careers continue with this trajectory i was similarly surprised with travis connecty he got a real good deal at 5.5 million i thought that was good money for what he brings to the table and uh, the the big ticket other than mitch marner that i see on the uh, in the early going is jared spurgeon in minnesota locked up for 7.575 that's a pretty tidy sum there and maybe uh, a deal that i mentioned morgan riley might be looking at something like that the next time his deal rolls around that might be a comparable uh, figure so some of the big names did come off the board but i feel bad for a team like winnipeg aj where patrick liney and kyle connor both on the sidelines right now and they do have a lot of cap space available for them but uh, it's going to be a tight fit to get both those frontliners in there and uh, and uh, we wish them luck out there in winnipeg they they have a good <laughs> good team going but if they don't have those two guys in the fold it's going to be a long year yeah, absolutely. And and to kind of follow up with the, the, your comments on Konechny, you know, you see why some of these guys uh, are hesitant to sign longer term deals. He's now making more money than Sean Couturier, who carries just a four point three million dollar cap hit. That's a steal for that guy. But he's in the fourth year of a six year deal that he signed uh, several years ago. So that's kind of why I think a lot of these guys are looking more at these bridge deals uh, as an option to say, hey, you know, I, I need more money now than, you know, my entry level contract, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to lock in for a long term deal where in the tail end when the salary cap does rise uh, and things like that. I think the other really interesting thing that uh, we've heard talk about is that Toronto, in order to really make this work and crunch the numbers, is talking about carrying just 20 guys uh, on the uh, the roster there for much of the season, which they do benefit from the fact that the Marlies are just there in town. So if they do need to call somebody up, it's it's quick and easy for them. Um, but it is interesting to see them kind of talking about, hey, we're just going to carry 20 uh, instead. Most teams carry 23 uh, just to make those cap numbers hit. But uh, we'll get ready to dive into the rest of these previews. Uh, but before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, If you have questions about your lineup, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer those questions during the week. Uh, As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. Well, AJ, just one note about the Maple Leaf situation. Uh, There's going to be another announcement soon that uh, I'll be bringing my skates to every game that I attend this year and a hockey stick. So so they'll have the opportunity to plug me in and I come real cheap. Just just putting that out there. 
great fantasy value in terms of dollar value, I'll say. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade that one in in daily, Paul. I, no <laughs> offense there, but uh, I'm not putting you in my lineup unless they're gonna throw you in with uh, you know take Kapanen's spot. If they put you on that first line with Tavares, maybe you could fall into a point. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the Pacific Division. We'll begin in alphabetical order with the Anaheim Ducks. And I'll look at the forwards. You bring us up to date on the defensemen, and then I'll chime in with the goalies. Of course, we'll back and forth in each of these categories. Then then we'll reverse orders every second team we do. But uh, off the top in Anaheim, the injury concerns are front and center with the forward ranks. Before we talk about the guys that are active, uh, it was recently announced that Ryan Kessler and Patrick Eves, two guys that would factor in if they're healthy, are actually effectively scratched for the entire year. So they're going to be sidelined, and that means a bit of a shake-up to their offense. It's going to look something like this with Ricard Raquel, uh, Ryan Getzlaff, and Andre Case, uh, who comes with his own question mark, forming that first line. Raquel, with 69 games played, 43 points. I think he should be able to do better than that, and it's all predicated on Ryan Getzlaff. I guess he's getting a little bit older in his mid-30s. 67 games, only 48 points last year, but starts the season healthy. Healthy, and that's the best bit of news in, in the Ducks forward ranks. It's Case, though, that has the question mark. He ended his season a little prematurely last year with a torn labrum and was scheduled to miss eight months. Well, that's coming due in the early part of October, so his status is up in the air right now. And uh, on the right wing, that means that uh, Jakob Silverberg could be next up in line. He figures right now to be the second line right winger there. Last year, he had 73 games played, only 43 points. Again, I think there's more of a possibility that he rises. The uh, the guy who I have my eye on, though, that could be a real good fantasy value, value on that second line is Maxime Contois. Uh, 10 games played and 7 points in, a, in a, a, a taste that he got in his rookie season. Still qualifies as a rookie this year because he only played the 10 games last year. But I think this is a guy who could really out round out the top six playing next to Adam Henrique on that line. And uh, if Silverberg winds up on the second line, that's great. Uh, that means that Case is healthy. But if he doesn't, that means Troy Terry moves up. And if he does, then his fantasy value rises more for a higher ranking than the 13 points that he gathered in 32 games played last year. Uh, in the third line, they do have a couple other scoring options. Max Jones is a guy who is a capable player. He got a taste of 30 games last year. I think he, if he gets a bit of a role, gets more points than the five points he tallied last year and that would also be predicated on Sam Steele who was a guy they pegged as a top six forward and a center who was going to be a key part of this offense if and when Getzlaff steps aside so there is some quality on that third line I mentioned Daniel Sprong rounds that unit out he's been a scorer in a couple of other previous stops 63 games played and 23 points last year indicates that he was more of a depth forward but he is a guy who has played top six minutes elsewhere then they have depth guys like Nick Ritchie Devin Shore and Carter Rowney from which to pluck uh, players with some experience that they can move up and down in this roster beyond that uh, Nicholas Delorier is a guy that comes over uh, from another situation. He was a depth forward elsewhere and figures to be insurance in that lineup. So they have some options despite the fact they have some a couple of veterans injured and the, the question mark around Andre Case. That's the way I see the forwards, AJ. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's interesting that they really have um, a couple ways they can go. You mentioned Dolores. Uh, they've got Derek Grant, Carter Rowney. So they could go uh, a little bit more of an older kind of veteran bottom six or, uh, as you said, Comtois, uh, Max Jones, Sam Steele, Troy Terry, all these younger guys. I 
personally think they should let these younger guys get the ice time, uh, you know, keep these veterans, uh, you know, kind of in reserve if they need them. Uh, Andreas Martinson is, is another name out there. Um, but I really think uh, they would be well suited, at least in terms of long term success here um, by rolling uh, with those younger guys. And, and you know, for for fantasy owners out there, especially in dynasty formats, uh, you know, these guys might already be off the board, but maybe they're still available depending on your format here uh, and guys to look at because uh, these younger um, Ducks players are, are really getting opportunities here with those injuries that they have uh, on the blue line. It's going to be uh, kind of, you know, a lot of the same here. You got Hampus Lindholm uh, and Josh Manson making up that top pairing 28 points for Lindholm, 16 for Manson, Jacob Larson, Cam Fowler rounding out the second group. Uh, Fowler a little uh, limited by injuries last year, but he tends uh, trends to be healthy this season. So hopefully he can play more than the 59 games that he played last year. And then the bottom of the lineup is a, a, a little bit of more of a question mark. Probably going to be Josh Maher and Brandon Gould uh, making up that final pair, but they've got Yanni uh, Hakapa from uh, who played in Finland last year as an option. Michael Delzato, a little bit more of a veteran experience if they want to go that route as well. Uh, and Corbinian Holzer as well. So uh, really, I think uh, you'll see Maher and, and Guli uh, kind of hold down that last group, but training camp will kind of be a, a you know denominator there and in, in kind of separating uh, who's who. Uh, and then, you know, a quick shout out to Michael Delzato, whose name uh, will now appear on the Stanley Cup thanks to St. Louis. He didn't play in any postseason games last year for them, uh, but they still decided to put his name on the cup. I'm sure he was happy to see that as well. Uh, so that's the blue line as I see it. Uh, you know, Manson and Lindholm will kind of lead the way for this group, but Fowler can be productive uh, if he gets opportunities. Paul, what do you see from this uh, defensive core? Yeah, I think that the fantasy <laughs> value upside is with Cam Fowler, AJ. He emerged for me uh, as the guy who was the more, most capable offensive piece here when a couple of years ago well, there were four guys to choose from, in, in, including Manson and Lindholm. I think Lindholm for me is number two on that list, and Manson would be number three, but Fowler for me is the guy who has the star power and scoring power that I think could emerge if he can off, uh, stay healthy. And you mentioned Delzato. That's his, been his bugaboo. He, he's a capable offensive player, but just can't stay healthy. So I'm, I'm done with putting my uh, late round hopes in, in a guy like that. I, I need a guy who has more of a track record for playing the games. And if you find that Delzato's healthy in, in midseason when you're short, sure, take a, take a shot at him then. But I wouldn't waste a draft pick on him at this stage. Let's look at the goalie mix, AJ. Uh, John Gibson is a guy who was a workhorse last year for this team. 58 appearances, not as many as some of the 60-plus, but boy, did he see a lot of rubber. And despite that, recorded 26 wins and a respectable 284 goals against average. I think if, if the defense is healthier, those numbers, uh, the goals against could go down. The wins might go up a tick, but uh, he, he is really one of those goalies who needs to play uh, at least 55 to 60 games here because behind him, Ryan Miller is getting really long in the tooth, uh, pushing almost 40 years of age, still figures to be the backup here. He appeared in 20 games last year with a 276 goals against average. In reserve, though, they've acquired Anthony Stolarz, who played with two other clubs last year. And I think this is a good pickup, AJ. You and I have been following this guy's career trajectory in the minors and the early pro career for a while. And I think it's a pretty solid backup for the third goalie situation. He appeared in 18 tilts last year, winning only four of them, unfortunately, but a 345 goals against average indicative of the fact that he probably 
probably got some tough assignments along the way and uh, no stability in terms of regular work. But if uh, Miller goes down, I'm sure they're going to plug this guy in. Yeah, Paul, let's uh, let's cut back on the, you know, bagging on America's greatest goalie in, in Ryan Miller here. Uh, most wins for, for a U.S. born netminder uh, for, for Ryan Miller. So I, I actually see them uh, keeping Gibson closer to the 55 mark this year. I, I think they'll use uh, Ryan Miller uh, as opportunities present themselves. Uh, you know, he dealt with a little bit of injuries the last uh, handful of years, but if he stays healthy and he's available, uh, you know, why, why work Gibson uh, unnecessarily? You know, I, I really think we're going to see more and more clubs uh, avoiding that 60 game threshold here as, as we go forward. So I think Ryan Miller being a capable backup there uh, makes sense uh, to give Gibson a few more nights off. But I agree in terms of long-term uh, backup uh, situation here. I think Anthony Stoller's a solid pickup for them. Uh, we'll move on to Arizona, and uh, I'll take us through the forward lines here. It uh, looks like we'll start off uh, Kristen Dvorak and Derek Stepan and new addition Phil the Thrill Kessel uh, making up that top line. Kessel, 82 points in 82 games last year. He's obviously the big addition to this team. Stepan uh, dealt with some injury woes last year, was limited to just 72 games, but still put up 35 points. And Dvorak only played in, in 20 contests last year. Again, another guy uh, who dealt with a few, you know, a few injuries there that really limited his opportunities. But I think uh, this is a situation where he could really thrive. Um, you know, I think uh, the big question mark here is, you know, when when Kessel was in uh, Toronto, you know, back back in the, the old days of uh, of Toronto sports, the, the team doesn't look anything like when he was there. But, uh, you know, he was kind of tasked with anchoring that that club and being kind of the the center point of that organization at that time. And that's something he didn't have to do in, in Pittsburgh, but I think he will kind of be called upon to do that in Arizona here. And so we'll kind of see how he responds to that, uh, that added pressure there. A second line, you're going to see Michael Grabner, Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller. Again, uh, Keller played in all 82 games, 47 points. I love him as a as a depth option here. There's a chance those that point total could drop down a little bit. He was getting first line minutes last year. Obviously, with Kessel around, that that won't be an option this year. But uh, paired up with Schmaltz and Grabner, both guys who only played 40 and 41 games last year. Uh, so really, you know, a lot of kind of question marks here for guys that haven't played a ton of uh, ice time. You look at the third line, you've got Carl Soderberg coming over uh, from Arizona, another solid addition for this club. I, I The more I look at it, the more I really uh, like this Arizona group. There's some options here. Vinny Hinestroza, 72 games, 39 points last year, a great depth Scoring option, Connor Garland on the other side, another guy that played less than 50 games last year uh, and kind of untested there. Uh, and then from there, you know, they've got some depth options to round out the the fourth line uh, there. So I really uh, I like this forward group. I think it's a lot improved. Uh, you know, based on where they were, obviously you add a point per game guy like Phil Kessel. It's, it's hard to get worse, obviously. So uh, that's that's these forwards as I see him. Paul, what, do you, what is your take? Well, you mentioned Phil Kessel. This is a guy who, of course, got his biggest notoriety in Pittsburgh uh, that you can talk about for hours. But, you know, in Boston and Toronto, he was a primetime scorer as well when those teams weren't very deep uh, around him. So this is a situation that kind of mirrors the leaf stop in particular. I don't know that he can 
can be that point a game by guy, but I think you could certainly pencil him in for 70, and so that's a bit of a, uh, a tick down. But Christian Dvorak on that force line, for, first line, and Derek Stepan are nothing to sneeze at. Stepan is a pretty good playmaker too, and now he's got some parts to, pl- to work with. Dvorak, for his part, is a young guy who should be coming into his better year, best years. Came out of the London Knights. Uh, junior factory and and uh, you know he played with the likes of marner and domi down there and look what they've developed into this guy is a similar talent i would say to uh, to those guys uh, in the junior ranks and just hasn't shown it at the nhl level but this is his best opportunity to play with some quality up front and i think he could really rise well beyond the seven points in 20 games that he showed last year i think this guy could be pegged for 40 to 50 if he if he holds on to that role but you mentioned some of the other names here i like the the soderberg pickup Boy, this guy has been a solid uh, insulator to top sixes elsewhere, and he figures to pick up that same role. And uh, he tallied 49 points last year. I think you could see him get 40-plus again in this situation as well. Lawson Rouse, a former number one-round draft pick, again, is a guy who's coming into his third pro season, and that's typically when a lot of these guys take off. So we got him pegged as a fourth liner. He could push for top six minutes if if uh, Dvorak or Grabner falter. So they do have options there, AJ, and you pointed out they have some depth in, in uh, forward ranks here. I agree with you on that assessment. As far as the defense goes, uh, not too many changes over year over year uh, comparing to last year. Oliver ekman Larson, though, his point total dropped significantly last year, only, f- only 44 points in 81 games. <laughs> I'll say when this guy was routinely upwards of 50 earlier on in his career he's not washed up by any means and maybe he thrives because of the quality and the balance that we see up front he could rise beyond those 44 points he's uh, insulated defensively by a defensive defenseman Jason Demare who played only 35 games last year only eight points there's not too much fantasy value there in terms of the rest of the the makeup here uh, Jack Chikrin Nicholas Jalmerson, two guys more defensively minded as well. But on the third pairing, Alex Goligoski, who played uh, a top pairing role in Dallas, is partnered with Jordan Osterley, another guy with an offensive upside. So maybe that's a pair that should be moved up into our second pairing ranking in terms of uh, the quality of offensive upside that I forecast there. Uh, it rests with those two and Ale- Oliver ekman Larson, in my opinion, AJ. Are, are there any other names that you can look out for here on the blue line? Yeah, I mean, I think Ilya uh, Lubushkin could get so, some minutes here uh, and, and maybe be be a factor. I don't know that he's going to start off, you know, jump right in and, and be a 82 game guy for them, especially with the the depth that they have uh, ahead of them. Uh, Nicholas Yarmelson, I, I think, you know. I, I was really surprised to see his point total quite so low. Um, obviously, he's not a, uh, a you know absolute fantasy stud uh, but to not get any goals and just the 10 assists I, I would have expected him to be closer uh, to that 20 maybe 25 point mark he's, he's hit 26 before uh, 24 one other time um, so a little surprised at, at his production so I'd expect a little bit more out of him uh, for kind of your that's uh, for your deeper leagues, obviously, if you're, you know, a 10 team redraft league, I don't think Nicholas Yarmelson's making your team <laughs> at any point. But if you're in kind of a deeper format, something uh, something to look at. So uh, the blue line, 
is, in my opinion, kind of the weak spot on this team. I, I love the forward compliments. The the defense gives me um, some question marks. Uh, additional question marks, though, are are in goal in terms of who we're going to see. You know, they brought in Antti Ranta a couple of years ago, and he has just been plagued uh, by injuries here. You know, that he played only uh, 47 games his first year, played just 12 games last year, uh, and really came in, uh, you know, highly touted out of out of New York after serving as the number two there. Uh, and they expected big things out of him, and it really hasn't worked out. Now, Darcy Kemper had a, a career resurgence last year, or, or really even a career launch, had never played uh, more than 35 games, saw 55 last year, topped uh, 25 wins for the first time. And so what they do there, I think, is the biggest question mark. You've got uh, a breakout uh, for Kemper in his first real opportunity, but generally a career backup. Uh, for him, you've got Ante Ranta, who's brought in to be a number one, but has been uh, hamstrung by injuries there. So it's really uh, a lot of question marks in terms of what they do At right now. I would project maybe a goalie split uh, for these two guys, you know, close to, you know, possibly even close to a, a 40, 40 uh, split there. Uh, if anybody gets hurt, you've got Aiden Hill waiting in reserve. Uh, as an option for him as well, but I don't think Hill will really factor in uh, to their decisions on an opening night here, you know, depending on uh, health here. Yeah, I think that's an excellent call, AJ, and you give me pause for thought. I was thinking that Darcy Kemper should be their number one guy heading into camp, but a healthy anti-ranta makes that an interesting circumstance, and I agree with you. Uh, Kemper is is a guy that emerged last year, but Ranta is the guy that they banked on. So you got to think that he's got a long leash if he's healthy, and that could be closer to a split than maybe I forecast at the beginning of, of uh, training camp. But uh, I still think Kemper gets the opening night start just based on what he did last year, and they might give him a chance to run with things early on. It might be a win-and-you're-in kind of situation in, in, a, in uh, Arizona here. In terms of the next team up, it's the Calgary Flames, and they made a few changes up front. Uh, but the top six looks to be firmly intact and that will feature Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau 99 points last year in 82 games played a full slate and his running mate for all of them was Sean Monaghan, he missed four games but he was better than a point per game player himself and uh, rounding out that unit was a guy who who had a breakout year, and that's Elias Lindholm. He moved over a couple of years ago from Carolina, and he's fit in like a glove here on this top unit. 78 points, 81 games. So that's one of the more formidable and balanced forward lines in hockey to round out this offense. Of course, they'd like to get Matthew Kachuk locked up. Uh, he's one of the pending RFAs that's still out there, but we pencil him in as a second-line left wing AJ with 77 points in 80 games last year, and this guy could be the heart and soul of this team for years to come. Michael Backlund will figure to be his center. He should do better than the 47 points he registered in 77 games, and rounding out that forward unit is a guy who missed 17 games last year. Michael Froelich did tally 34. If healthy, Backlund and Froelich should be both around the 50-point mark, I think, playing with the feisty Tuchuk, who anchors that second unit. The third line is where things kind of get interesting. Milan Lucic hoping to revive his career in the other Alberta capital. Uh, he flopped in Edmonton big time, carries a big ticket with him over here, only 20 points in 79 games, and he's been being tutored by the legendary Jerome, Jerome Ginla, uh, who's firmly in his corner and l looks for big things for Lucic. I'm uh, a little bit more 
reluctant to, to say he's going to have a comeback season. I just don't know that the modern game suits him in terms of all the speed. Uh, he just looks like a step behind, and I don't know where he makes it up. Mark Jankowski is a third-line center here, and I think he could push Backlund someday soon if he continues his trajectory that led him to 32 points in 79 games. And rounding out the top nine is Sam Bennett, another guy with an offensive upside who kind of underperformed, in my opinion, last year, only 27 points in 71 games. Then they have Andrew Mangiapane. I'll I'll take care of that Italian name, AJ, for you. (laughs) 13 points in 44 games played. And uh, a guy, I think, if Lucic falters, it gets plugged into that third-line left-wing role. Any other names out here that are of interest to you in terms of fantasy value? And certainly, if you uh, agree or disagree with the top nine that I've laid out here. No, I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of the top nine. Obviously, uh, I would expect to Chuck sign before the start of the season, but you never know. Uh, so definitely something to, to keep an eye on there. This is another team. Uh, when you look at, at this uh, you know, kind of last line uh, has uh, some questions to answer on, on which direction they want to go. They've got guys like Dylan Dube. Buddy Robinson, who played uh, in the AHL last year, 42 points in 65 games. Uh, Alexander Grenier uh, is another one who who could be a factor as as AHL guys that could move up. But then they've also got uh, three veteran guys here on PTOs trying to make the team in terms of Tobias uh, Tobias Ryder, uh, Zach Rinaldi, and Devante Smith Pelly. And uh, if I had to pick one of those three to make the team, I think DSP is probably the most likely uh, of those three to to get a, a spot here. But it depends on what they want to do. Do they want to let uh, these youngsters get their opportunities? Do they think they'd be better suited playing another year in Stockton? And, and I think that'll be a lot of kind of the deciding factor on, on where they go with this fourth line. Let me tell you, I would not want to play against a right uh, reader, uh, Ronaldo and DSP fourth line, because those guys are physical. Uh, they're all grinders. Um, you know, in terms of fantasy value, I don't think they offer a ton uh, for you there, but uh, it definitely would be a difficult group to play against. That's for sure. Uh, defensively, this team looks pretty similar to what we've seen in the past couple of years, uh, led by Mark Giordano, 74 points in 68 games last year. He will be uh, the bread and butter of this team in terms of the blue line. I think TJ Brody could exceed the 34 points he got last year, uh, could push for 40 this year. Noah Hannafin, uh, same. I think he could also challenge for 40. He got 33 uh, last year. Then from there, you've got Travis Hamanick, uh, Oliver Kylington, and Rasmus Anderson. I think we'll round out the rest. Your X factor here is Alexander uh, Yeselin, who played in the KHL last year. They still have Michael Stone, uh, you know, hanging around uh, after they, uh, you know, brought him back. They bought him out to get out from under his contract. Then uh, Yusuf Valamaki picked up. Uh, that long-term injury there. And so they brought Stone back on a one-year deal uh, to, you know, bring him in, kind of shore that up. So uh, Valamaki, I keep in a, if I have a deep uh, dynasty league, I hold on to this guy for a year, stash him. He projects to be out uh, at least until uh, February, might not play at all this year, but I think he's got potential uh, to be an offensive contributor for this team down the road somewhere, uh, I would say, in the 30-point range, generally speaking. Uh, you know, he's put up great numbers in the minors, um, but, you know, obviously this year he won't be a factor. So in your redraft leagues, uh, stay away from him. But if you're in those dynasty formats, you can keep 
a bunch of guys stash guys away he's definitely a candidate for that uh so that's uh the blue line as i see it paul what's your take well i'm going to congratulate my my uh, fellow high school alumnus he wasn't graduating in the same year as me obviously but mark giordano and i went to the same high school here in toronto uh <laughs> he's up there in his late 30s aj i think this is a guy though i got to slam him a little bit i don't think he's going to get near that mark this year i could see a regression down to the 50s for him because that everything went right for him last year and he just put together an all-star caliber season for which he was certainly recognized brody i agree with you has an offensive upside that goes beyond the 34 points that he registered i think he's way more comfortable playing with giordano than anybody else that he's been partnered with and he did have a resurgence last year of sorts and i think that continues this season and he may take over a bit of the offensive role in that pairing Uh, noah hannafin is another guy with an offensive upside i think he could do better than 33 points he has but the guy that I'm watching here is Oliver Shillington. You mentioned only eight points in 38 games. He was a, a more offensive-minded guy in junior, and I think that he has much more to give. He had 14 points in, in 18 games in the minors last season in Stockton, for instance, and I think that uh, somewhere in between that rate and the rate of 8 and 38 is where he's going to eventually reside. So maybe he picks up some of the offensive slack on the left side of the, the Cal- uh, Calgary defense there. But veteran uh, insurance and Stone, McDonald, and Griba, certainly not a, not a bad thing to have in Calgary there. And the guys who will benefit are the goalies here. And David Riddich looks like out of camp, he should be the number one guy outright. He doesn't have to share the role, I don't think, as the number one guy. Uh, holding on to 27 wins last year and 45 games played. Cam Talbot comes over from from the Crosstown Rivals in, in Edmonton, and he will be the backup, I think, here. He played 35 games last year, a very ordinary 340 goals against average. Things really not working out for him in Edmonton. He hopes for a bit of a resurgence in Calgary. If he falters, John Gillies is in the, in the uh, standing in the wings waiting to to get a break at the at the NHL level. He toiled for Stockton in the AHL, 45 games played there. A rather high 3.51 goals against average, but I think he's shown in, in a couple of cameos that he can be a serviceable backup if, uh, like I said, if Cal- Cam Tablet falters here, AJ. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Riddich is your your starter day one, um, but certainly I think he needs to keep uh, keep his form up because you don't bring in a guy like Cam Talbot who's been a number one netminder uh, in Edmonton. You know, had really that one uh, real phenomenal year with them, uh, but you don't bring in a guy like that uh, just to sit around and and you know put security for for your number one. This is a guy I, I think they expect to compete. Uh, for for games and and to try and really push Riddich but I do agree I think uh, he's your day one uh, starter uh, but we'll need to to you know be at his best in order to hold on to that spot Uh, we'll move on to Edmonton from here Uh, top line will be uh, pretty uh, similar I think for for the left wing and center you'll see Leon Dreisaitl who is always a candidate to move back to center Um, but I think they'll start the year with him on Connor McDavid's wing Uh, both these guys have potential to hit uh you know mcdavid's a lock i think for 100 points i think dry has potential to be at that mark again although i would peg him closer to 85 maybe 90 uh you know i think his 50 goals is is probably an aberration i I don't think he'll get quite there again next year but certainly 40 i think could be a a possibility for him the right wing right now zach cassian I, i think is your number one candidate but uh you know james neal uh, depending on if he can find find something here in in Edmonton, making the move from Calgary and that Milan Lucic switch, 
could be an option for them uh, on that top line. But I think he starts the year in the second unit. Uh, I think he certainly should do better than 19 points in 63 games. Uh, I think he still has it in it. I certainly have more confident confidence in James Neal rebounding than I do in Milan Lucic rebounding. So uh, if you want to compare those guys, obviously we will with them being swapped uh, one for one uh, throughout the season. Centering that second line, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 69 points in 82 games. I figure he'll be right around that again, might cross that 70 point uh, mark, um, but not too much off of that. Alex Chase on uh, 38 points in 63 games, I think for, for that second line role. Um, Although, you know, Chase on's really kind of a question mark. Uh, they have used him there, but he could falter and find himself elsewhere. Sam Gagne is a candidate for that spot as well. But I think most likely you see him in a third line role. Riley Sheehan comes over, uh, signs a, a really discounted one year deal for them. I think can be a solid number three center for them. Uh, offensive upsides probably capped around the 20 point, maybe 30 point mark. Uh, and then Josh Archibald, most likely uh, to be your right winger there. Uh, Marcus Granlin, another guy who could factor in uh, on the wing or at center, depending on how they want to mix things up. So uh, that's kind of the top nine as I see it. Uh, Paul, who are some other guys that might factor in here? Well, they got some depth forwards in Jujer Kyra, 18 points in 60 games played. He's played up and down this roster here, and I'm sure with injuries he'll get the opportunity to do the same thing again there. So he has some fantasy upside potential uh, locked in him. Colby Cave is a guy who could threaten Riley Sheehan's third line minutes at center. Kyle Brodziak, a bit of a plugger on the third line is his highest ceiling, I think. But I'm really hopeful that James Neal has a resurgent year, and this is a guy that I really have my eye on in, in Edmonton. If he can return to an offensive force like he was even a couple of years ago, he's going to get that top line role on the right side ahead of Cassian. Cassian kind of a bit of a placeholder and protector for the likes of Dreisaitl and McDavid in the interim. And if as long as he's there, he's going to be the guy that you want to have uh, plugged in uh, because he should get points just by osmosis with those two guys. But I really think Neil has a chance to to reignite his career if he can really put some scoring exploits together early on and lock down that position, he might even get a long-term look on that first line. And that's why I'm more excited for his possibilities than almost anybody on this roster in terms of a big change over last season. On the blue line, uh, they didn't make too many changes here in a a group that kind of was ordinary at best, in my opinion. Certainly the linchpin in terms of uh, quality and name recognition is Darnell Nurse. I think he had... He had a very nice year last year in terms of points and an overall presence on the defensive side of the puck. I think he he can do a little bit better offensively, but uh, maybe touch the 50-point mark. He's partnered with Evan Bouchard, another guy who has a bit of an offensive upside that hasn't been on hasn't been tested at the NHL level, but very highly regarded. So I think that could be your number one offensive pairing in terms of point totals. Certainly, Oscar Kleffbaum has been a point producer in the past. He only had 28 last year, but uh, playing with the likes of uh, players that they can put out on the top two lines here, he should be better than that. And uh, Adam Larson is his partner, and I think he reached his ceiling in terms of scoring with 20 points last year. I don't know that he's capable of much more, more of a defensive-minded presence as long as he's partnered with Clefbaum. And then rounding out the third pairing, it's a similar mix. Chris Russell, a defensive-minded pivot on the, on the sec- a third line, 72 games, only 16 points. Matt Benning might be only slightly higher regarded. He could reach the 20 to 30-point th- range, but that, I think, is his ceiling as well. Beyond that, uh, they have to be concerned about the fact that one of their depth players, Brian Mantha, 
was injured all of last season and needs to rebound in order in terms of being a, a guy they might look at uh, on the blue line. Are there any other names on the back end here that might be a factor, AJ, to bolster this group? Yeah, I'm not even going to say might be a factor. I think Joel Person uh, makes this team uh, right out of camp. Uh, has gotten 30 point over 30 points in each of his last two seasons playing over in Sweden. Uh, I think he could be potential for a top four can, uh, blue liner for them. Now, obviously, again, a lot will be decided in camp, but I'm really high on person here, and I, I think he can be uh, an NHL player for them. And I, I think personally, I think he should be a lock for the 23-man roster here uh, and should get plenty of minutes this year. But obviously, uh, we'll see what the organization decides to do if they, you know, whether or not he can tra- transition from playing uh, that European-style game uh, to the NHL right away. We'll have to wait and see. He may have to spend some time in the minors to adjust, um, but I peg him for uh, for a, a starting role here with them. On the back end, uh I think Miko Koskinen gets the first look as the number one here. I think the veteran Mike Smith is brought in uh, to be kind of their security blanket here. Uh, he's you know going to be 37 years old this year. Uh, I peg him to potentially, I think right now it looks like the potential for these guys to split time. I could see this being a, a ride the hot hand kind of situation here in, in Edmonton. So not an intentional goalie split per se, um, but I think they'll start out with Koskinen. If he takes it and rolls, uh, he'll hold on to it. But obviously, uh, if he struggles, they'll switch to Smith. And I think they'll go with Smith as long as he's hot and bounce back and forth here. So, uh, you know, I think it could end up being 40-40. Uh, I think Koskinen could creep up on 60 if he really steps up his game. Uh, but I think the reverse is true here. So sorry to be all wishy-washy for, for our fantasy listeners here, but this is one situation uh, that I think is very fluid and could really go either way. That's at least how I see uh, the the crease uh, shaking out. Paul, what's your, uh, what's your analysis? Well, I'm shocked. i got to say, you've become a member of the Mike Smith fan club, it seems, as you've been slagging this guy for much of the time <laughs> we've been together over the few years that we've been together. He did cost you a dollar in the first ever uh, dollar bet. Uh, yeah, it should have given me a dollar back the next year. <laughs> in any case, Miko Koskinen was signed as uh, in midseason last year to a three-year extension of $4.5 million. He's being paid like a guy that they're going to rely on for more than a split here, AJ. So I'm calling for maybe a 50-32 split, uh, something like that. Uh, he is being paid by the old uh, organization that got that, bounced the day after they signed him. So. That's true. That's true. Good point there. So he'll get an early chance to prove his worth. Uh, he's only 31 years of age, I'll say, relative to Mike Smith. That makes him a younger man and, and I'd, ideally their top option in the back uh, at the at the crease area. So I think he's going to get up around 50 starts and uh, certainly on a team that, that scores as much as, as the Oilers, if they can get any kind of defensive structure going, this could be a team that may surprise some people this year. I know people have been hoping that and finally to see McDavid play a playoff game would be something uh, that we could look forward to at that point. AJ, let's, let's move over to the next club now and that would be the Los Angeles Kings, uh, a team that boasts maybe the most 30-year-old players in the league on first glance and they really haven't made it too many changes to the top end of this offense here so uh, familiar faces dot the lineup there in the top six for sure Alex Iafalo is not one of the younger not one of the older players but a younger guy and we've been waiting for him to kind of 
merit the role on the top line. He gets there by default almost. 33 points in 82 games last year. You need much more from a first-line left wing. He's still going to retrain, retain that spot just because they're seeking some balance here when you consider that he'll work with Anze Kopitar, who had a bit of a down down tick only 60 points for him one of the guys who's perennially uh, around the point per game mark and a, one of the better two-way centers in the game for years dustin brown has had a bit of a resurgence in the last couple of seasons and i ho- hope for his sake that it continues but i don't expect him to do much better than 51 points that he recorded last year in the 72 games played Ilya kovalchuk a bit of a head scratcher for me because this guy was a older player when he returned from the khl and we probably see another year from him that gets him in a 30 to 40 point range just as he was last year he did miss a chunk of time too so maybe he reaches the 40 point mark a little more easily than i project jeff carter's a guy who will surprise uh, offensively from time to time he goes on streaks but 51 points last year in 76 games kind of looks like what he's all about again tyler Toffoli needs a bounce back here aj to reignite this offense he's the centerpiece i think in terms of any upward mobility for this club in fact only 34 points in 82 games that's way below this guy's capabilities and I think he's the one guy that I have the arrow pointing up to maybe a 50 point season uh, among the top six forwards he should be their leader I think Uh, rounding out the top nine uh, Austin Wagner Adrian Kempe and Carl Grundstrom Carl Grundstrom for me is a guy that could help this offense too Uh, he was a leaf farmhand so I know a little bit about him he's got the good size good speed and hands six points in 15 games played last year i think he might might threaten for top six minutes if a guy like kovalchuk does flounder here yeah i definitely like that that take on carl gunstrom a a definite uh candidate for for more ice time uh there's a number of guys here that uh you know depth options that that could challenge for more time mario kempe uh, martin ferk i think are both options to to maybe try and compete for for bigger roles here uh but they'll likely start the season uh, at the bottom one other guy to kind of keep an eye on especially again in in those deeper kind of keeper dynasty formats is blake lizota uh coming out of saint cloud state 42 points in 37 games last year got uh his you know cup of coffee in the nhl last year with one game following his collegiate season i expect him to start the year in the minors um, but somebody to keep an eye on as far as if injuries uh, crop up he's 21 years old and i think uh, could be uh, kind of uh, uh, an heir apparent to you know this as you said the 30 plus crowd here uh, in in Los Angeles here and, and really could step up and, and be somebody to contribute for them uh, in the future so one to kind of watch on uh, you know maybe uh, if there's injuries and he gets called up a, a midseason pickup here uh, in your redraft leagues but dynasty formats stash him away i think and uh, definitely keep an eye on him on the blue line i'm going to be keeping an eye on drew dowdy uh, 45 points in 82 games last year i expect bigger things from him uh, hopefully you know with some uh, other guys around he maybe doesn't have to play uh, as defensively as i think he he was kind of forced into last year and will have uh, a little bit more freedom to jump up into the play he'll pair up with Derek forbert uh, 14 points in 81 games last year for him. Uh, I, I think uh, your second line will be Alec Martinez, uh, played just 60 games due to injury, and then Matt Roy uh, is a candidate for for significantly bigger role here. Uh, again, uh, kind of just 25 games, kind of first uh, go around in terms of, of NHL action last year. Average just 17, uh, just over 17 minutes of ice time per game. I would expect him 
to take on a bigger role this year, maybe creep up towards the 19, maybe even 20 minutes per game uh, possibilities here. Mickey Anderson, a, a name that's uh, probably unfamiliar to, to most of our listeners here. Uh, he signed after his collegiate career uh, and a national title, pair of national titles at University of Minnesota Duluth. And so he's one, again, that could kind of be an X factor here, but they do have uh, some veterans that will try and hold on to those spots. And Paul Ledoux, Joakim Ryan comes over from uh, San Jose, so he could certainly be a factor. Sean Walker, another name as well. So, uh, Paul, what do you, what do you think about uh, these guys? Yeah, the bottom of the order, not very inspiring. Ryan, Walker, McDermott, they're guys that are kind of just plug in in the defensive role. But the guy that you highlighted that I like is Mikey Anderson from uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, as you said. 27 points in 40 games played last year. Has an offensive upside that is sorely lacking here on this blue line. So he might get a look with Doughty. Uh, at some point, uh, they usually insulate their youngsters with, with the veteran, so he might have that responsibility if Mikey Anderson does gain some traction early on. Uh, other than that, I don't see a lot of fantasy value here. Alec Martinez is a guy who should do better than the 18 points in 60 games played. But unlike you, I don't think Drew Doughty is going to return to a form that sees him top the 50-point mark, at least until they improve offensively around him. There's just too much lacking here in terms of the offensive spark that uh, that is needed to push his totals higher than than that and uh, let's not forget my uh, doubt he's got a lot of miles in him anyway in the nets the guys that are going to be facing a lot of rubber here are the same as last year that they wound up with jonathan quick rebounding from an injury plagued a couple of years he played in 46 games again last season the average was indicative of the pucks that he saw 3.38 way higher than we're used to seeing for him and a guy that is going to be the heir apparent to replace him at some point is Jack Campbell. He appeared in 31 games last year and a very nice tidy 2.3 goals against average for him. So he did show some capabilities here and a guy they have waiting in the wings to be a contender for some starting minutes at some point is Cal Peterson. So the next wave of goalies is there in Los Angeles, but I think Quick is the guy that's still going to get around 50 to 55 starts here, AJ. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. 55 is about what I would peg a quick four, but obviously, uh, I think that changes, uh, depending on how the season's going. If, you know, if they're playing well, uh, you could see him creep up towards 60. If things start to go South, uh, you know, and they want to give Campbell some more opportunities, you could see a drop as well. So I think how many games quick plays will depend on the success of this team. Uh, I think 55 is probably a good mark, but I think it could creep down because I don't really expect to see a lot of success out of this team. And we'll get into that uh, at the end of the, the show here. So uh, from there, we'll move on to a team that I do think will have a lot of success, although they're missing uh, one of their biggest uh components from the last several years uh joe pavelski is gone he's in dallas big changing of the guard here logan couturier takes over as the captain here and he'll anchor that top line uh, as the center 70 points in 81 games last year uh, i could see that going uh, even higher i think it's a good benchmark for him it's what i would uh, expect drafting out of him but i certainly would hope uh you know to maybe get a, a little added value and see that creep up into the 80-85. Timo Meyer, 66 points, 78 games, and Kevin LeBanc, 
56 points in 82 games last year. They'll round out that top line. Uh, Meyer is a guy that they are definitely high on. You saw that in terms of the contract they gave him this offseason, a four-year, $24 million deal, so $6 million uh, a, a year breakdown there. So they'll, they obviously expect him to, to do good things and, and kind of be – part of the future in this team the second line uh, are no slouches though you'll see evander kane uh, on the left wing thomas hurdle uh, down the middle and then melker carlson i think starts out the year on that right wing spot but that's probably the most uh, in flux spot that they have in this top six um, from there and likely alex true uh, who played in the minors last year uh, for that third line role but again that's that's a little fluid there um, you could uh, see some other options, but true. If he brings his scoring touch from the minors, he had 55 points in 68 games for the Barracuda last year. If he can convert that at all and be close to the 40 mark, uh, he'll hold down that spot. Jumbo Joe will continue to anchor that third, uh, third line. And uh, you know, 51 points in 73 games. He's getting uh, certainly uh, veteran uh, status there for the 40-year-old. Uh, might I, I would have to do the math, but with Matt Cullen uh, retiring, Joe could be the oldest player in the league, or at least very close uh, uh, at this point. So I would expect maybe closer to 50 points this, or 40 points rather this year. I think 51 was probably on the high end. Barkley Gaudreau rounding out that top nine. Um, but there's certainly other guys waiting in the wings who will challenge for those minutes. Paul, who do you see that could slide into this top nine? Well, a guy that impressed me in spurts last season was Marcus Sorensen. He picked up 30 points in 80 games played last year. And I think if Goudreau or Carlson flounders, he gets a shot on that right side. Dylan Gambrell, to steal some of your thunder in terms of AHL news and notes, he picked up 51, 45 points in 51 games played in AHL action only played in eight NHL games. He's a guy that has obviously some offensive upside, so there are options to plug into the top six for sure. But what excites me here is the fact that uh, Timo Meyer is only scratching the surface of what I think he can be, and I think he could reach the point-per-game mark. And Evander Kane right behind him there on that on that port side, two of the better left-wingers in this in this division, and they're both on the same team here. Thomas Hurdle is a guy who's steadily risen in terms of his profile and really locks down the center position with Couture here. The top two pivots combined for 155 points, and they could be right around that total again this season. So I do think they have some key offensive players that will, you know, you just wash, rinse, and repeat and hope for similar numbers. Kevin LeBanc will be tasked to... to uh, bump up his total of 56 points might go slightly higher but i think he's in the neighborhood that he will reside in as long as he holds on to the top line right wing position here too so some some options in the minors some options in terms of depth there will be some fluidity on that second line if carlson follows and that's falters and that's what we watch for here uh, in terms of the defense uh, not too much in the way of changes here and the top four is pretty uh, pretty stable uh, in my opinion mark edward vlasic 25 points in 72 games. He insulates Brett Burns, who's still a point-per-game threat on defense and maybe the best uh, point producer among all defenders once again this season. Just no slowing down on a guy who is a bit of a... Uh, well, he's definitely a workhorse and uh, logs way uh, way more than um, the average defenseman in terms of scoring time. And don't forget, he runs a very potent power play here too. Brendan Dillon and Eric Carlson are on that second pairing. Carlson hopes for a healthier year than saw him only limited to 53 games last year, but 45 points. He'll be the second leading scorer in the, on this team and maybe in the league in terms of defense point production. 
in my opinion. So that's how wealthy they are on the back end with the two premier rear guards. Uh, rounding out this group are a bunch of guys that are more defensive-minded and not really off, uh, offering too much fantasy value. And Radim Simek and Jacob Middleton, although Middleton did play most of the year in the AHL, he only totaled 19 points in 57 games. So not much scoring ability there. Tim Heed is a guy they've plugged in from time to time, and he may have the better offensive upside of, of the remaining defense uh, that played in the NHL last season, only 13 ga- uh, points in 37 games played. But keep an eye out for Trevor Carrick, I say, AJ. He picked up 47 points in 71 games with Charlotte of the AHL. So maybe that's where the offensive upside comes from the rest of this roster. Yeah, I absolutely agree uh, You know, with, with your take there. And, and I think uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head in, in terms of what you'll see. Uh, obviously, Eric Carlson hampered by those injuries, as, as you mentioned. Uh, so getting a full 82 games out of him, I think you could see him uh, closer uh, to Brent Burns like numbers. I think st- I don't think you're going to see Carlson top Burns. I- I'll say that at least. I yeah. think Brent Burns will be the primary point producer here, but uh, Eric Carlson will be uh, right there behind him, maybe 80 for Burns, 70 for Carlson, something like that. Um, you know, that, that really that power play, uh, is great, but there's only so much, uh, you know, so many chances and opportunities to, to kind of go there. So, uh, in nets, uh, Martin Jones will be your anchor. This is a guy. I feel like Marty Jones is like a very maligned figure. Um, you know, and his, his goals against average last year wasn't great. 2.94, uh, save percentage below uh, 900, which are obviously, uh, you know, not, not numbers that you want to see but in terms of wins he still walked away with 36 wins last year played in 62 games for the past four seasons every year marty jones 60 or more games played 30 or more wins every year a lock for it yes the goals against average is a concern i could see that dropping a little bit with a healthy um you know, healthy, uh, Eric Carlson on that blue line, kind of stabilizing that a little bit. So I think that'll be a factor. Uh, I would put him closer to probably 2017, uh, in terms of goals against average, right around two and a half, which I think is serviceable. So if you can get two and a half out of him and 35 wins, uh, it's hard to really, uh, be disappointed with that in terms of fantasy production there. Aaron Dell will serve as your backup. He's looking for a little bit of a rebound here, you know, a rebound year rather, uh, struggled last season just went 10 8 and 4 uh in 25 games his goals against average 3.17 so uh, again it is at the end of the day it's on the goalies but i think when you see two guys both have like career worst goals against average uh it speaks a little bit to the team in front of them certainly uh and so i expect his numbers to drop down a little bit um you know i think this could be a a viable option for for a handcuff out there for you uh you know for the occasional game that marty jones takes off but certainly uh, i think you're not going to see too much different in terms of what you've seen in the nets the last couple of years for the sharks yeah i love that call and i love your explanation for anybody who might be down on marty jones and looking over his shoulder to aaron dell I just think the order is, is entrenched here, like you suggested. And Marty Jones, I think, is, is a candidate for a guy who will who'll produce much better numbers in terms of the goals against average. And that'll mean the win total is right where it needs to be, about 35 to 40. And who wouldn't want to have that locked up in, in one of your goalie one or goalie two circumstances? I know he's, he's uh, well represented in my fantasy goalie projections and, and my holdover team, uh, I'll say that as well. So I'm quite content going 
into the season with a Marty Jones in my lineup, and I think he could play. He's one of those eight goalies that plays played 60-plus games last year, and I think he's a lock to do it again, AJ. Uh, in Waiting in the Wings, if you're looking for names in depth, Joseph Coronar is a guy who played in San Jose. Uh, 34 appearances there for their AHL affiliate at 2.54 goals against, 23 wins. And then they got a Leaf form, former Leaf farmhand, Antoine Bibo, another guy who played the other half of the games in, in the farm system. 289 was his goals against average and a 16-win season there. So they've got a lot of depth in this organization at the goalie position, but I do think that it's Jones and Dell holding down a similar ratio that they had last year in terms of games played. The Vancouver Canucks, a team that everybody's expecting to have a bit, bit, bit of an uptick to continue their uh, rebound and rebuild uh, uh, with some new uh, young players leading the, leading the team here. Uh, and they're dotting the forward ranks, in fact. Uh, Michael Furland looks to be one of the luckier players in hockey uh, going into the season. He had 40 points in 71 games, and now he plays his first full season in Vancouver and is projected to be alongside Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser, who was recently signed to a deal uh, in Vancouver. So uh, I think those two guys uh, are a lock to be an exciting tandem, and uh, Pedersen, for his part, could threaten the goals again, goal per game rate and top the 80-point mark this season uh, to build on what was an outstanding campaign for him where he saw 60, 66 points in 71 games. Besser was uh, his... Uh, the sniper on his right side, and he should do a lot better than the 56 points that he garnered, uh, assuming that he plays more than the 69 games played last year. So a pretty nice-looking forward line. Michael Furland is riding shotgun with two guys that can score, so he might be the sleeper pick here uh, on this roster. In terms of the second line, it's Tanner Pearson, 27 points in 80 games, playing alongside two guys who can also put the puck in the net and score points, and that's Bo Horvat, the new uh, leader on this team. Uh, he's 61 points in 82 games played. J.T. Miller comes over from uh, from a other team where he had 47 points in 75 games last season, and he's now got a chance to get back to top six minutes where he was a depth player in uh, in Tampa. So uh, a guy that I think is a plug and play guy that you can look at getting 50 points uh, on this in this particular lineup in this particular situation. Depth players: Ben Berchi, only 14 points but 26 games played. This guy has been a second line player in the past. If Pearson falters, they'll plug him into that second forward line. And similarly, Nikolai Goldobin is a guy with an offensive upside that could see him get upwards of 35 to 40 points if he gets a regular playing time as well. But they have some nice veteran options and uh, the enigmatic Jake Vertanen below on the roster. This is a guy that they wasted a high pick on a couple of years ago and just hasn't delivered. And it is a waste until he delivers, I think. And he's in the doghouse already at training camp and uh, might be a candidate for greener pastures and to be moved out elsewhere. And if he is, he's in last chance saloon, AJ. So that, that's when I take a look at some players like that. Josh Levo fit into that mold last year and he had a pretty nice run for a while on the top line he figures to be more of a depth player here but they got other names that might uh, create some intrigue in fantasy drafts why don't you talk about some of them yeah i mean i i I would caution our listeners not to get sucked in uh to the you know into going uh with louis erickson you know this (laughs) sometimes a a name just gets stuck in your head and and you keep going after a guy but he hasn't hasn't topped 15 goals in any of the last three seasons uh with vancouver and i really think uh could be uh potentially you know if a guy like josh levo 
and Jake Vertanen can kind of step up their game. Uh, Tyler Mott, even Louis Erickson could spend some time in the press box to, to be perfectly blunt about it with this team, uh, especially with Sven Berchi and uh, back and healthy, bringing in JT Miller. It just created a lot of really uh, additional forward depth here. I love Adam Gaudette. I continue to be high on him. I think he could break. Uh, over that 25-point mark this year with a little bit more consistent ice time, played just 56 games last year. Uh, <clears throat> and I think you're dead on with that that top line. Uh, I expect every one of those guys to top their point production from last year, um, you know, anchored by Elias Pettersson there. So there's definitely uh, <clears throat> a lot to be had here in terms of, uh, of fantasy fantasy guys. And Vancouver's a team that may fly under the radar in, in some leagues. And you can kind of snatch some guys up uh, for a steal. I'm not ready to cut bait on Jake Vertanen. Obviously, uh, for a first-round guy, you expect more than 25 points. Um, but I think he can still get there. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, he can figure it out. But uh, I'm not quite ready to cut bait on him. But certainly, uh, if you've had him the last couple of years in your fantasy leagues, I can certainly understand uh, why you're ready to, to ditch him. On the blue line, you're looking at uh, a top pairing going to be the same that we saw last year alex edler returns uh to the club after re-upping uh, his contract <clears throat> last year or uh over the summer rather and he'll anchor that top unit with uh troy stetcher both these guys uh you know edler dealt with with injuries last year had just 34 points i think if he's healthy i think 40 is a lock for him 50 is a possibility troy stetcher i think could be a 30 point producer for them as well i think they're going to get a ton of offensive production out of quinn hughes just got a taste of nhl action last year uh played five games and had three assists in in those contests they put him out there for over 18 minutes of ice time in those games i expect him to be closer to 19 maybe 20 he'll be a factor on the power play uh in my opinion as well and so if he plays a, a full 82 game schedule I'm going to put Quinn Hughes uh, upwards of, of 40 points, maybe even pushing for 50. If you if you go to Rotowire right now, we're projecting him at 10 goals, 33 assists. I think that's right on mark with, with where he'll be at. But don't be surprised if he blows that out of the water and, and hits that 50-point mark because this is a kid who uh, has really excelled uh, in his time collegiately and I think is a breakout candidate for them. They'll pair him up with a Tyler Myers uh, who comes over uh, on a big five-year, $30 million contract from Winnipeg. Uh, he has been a consistent 30-point guy. Uh, you know, the last two seasons has only missed two games in the last two years. So if he maintains uh, that, he's another guy that could produce. So I think this top four potentially has all point producers from there. Uh, rounding out the group here, you'll see Jordy Ben and Chris Tanev likely uh, as the third pairing, but Josh Tevis out of Princeton could be an, an option. Oscar Fattenberg as well. These guys will all be somewhere in the 10 to 20 range. Uh, nobody's going to really blow it out of the water here from, from that third pairing, especially because I think you could see them kind of rotating in and out. But this top four, I absolutely love for Vancouver, uh, and I think they could really uh, produce for you both on the ice uh, for the fans and, and in terms of fantasy value. I love the assessment, AJ, and I don't have a chance to offer more because you covered it off very well in my opinion. <laughs> Alex Edler is a guy that I've always had time for. It's just a matter of this guy can stay healthy, and boy, he's going to have some pretty good assistance here in terms of running this 
power play. He'll be surrounded with some great talent among the first two forward lines, as we suggested. But if they want to go with two defensemen on that power play, can you imagine him and Quinn Hughes at the back end or even Myers uh, if they want to go that route? So for the first time in a few years, they have some options on the back end, options that could I could see each of those three guys over the 40-point mark. And that uh, that's good news in Vancouver. And uh, guys that will benefit at the back end of uh, the whole thing, Jakob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko holding down the goaltending situation. Markstrom is another one of those few goalies that played 60 games last year. Demko only nine. The goals against average for both was in the 280 range and uh, Markstrom registered 28 wins. I think if healthy he should top that win total with the quality of this team in front of him and so I think he's the guy with a bit up, upward tick in his potential uh, overall numbers in fantasy play this season. AJ, what about your call? Yeah, I think Markstrom will get the bulk of the work here. Um, you know, I th- there's a potential for him uh, to to maybe regress a little bit um you know had just 28 wins uh, 60 games played but the team around him is getting better and so that's going to help you steal a couple wins from time to time uh, i think they'll probably ride him for another 60 games although uh they've you know they've had thatcher demko in the system for a while uh so they could want to get him uh some added work but i think you'll see Generally, I'm looking at a 60-20 here split for him, maybe 55-25, something like that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good assessment of where they'll be on the blue line, so we'll, or on the uh, the goal uh, goal line. And so we'll move over to Vegas, uh, another you know team uh, that looks to be uh, right at the top of this division, anchored uh, on that top line. Likely match patch already, I think, will be the top left winger for them. Uh, he put up uh, 40 points in 66 games last year. If he stays uh, healthy, I think he's a 50 point, maybe even higher. I tweeted out uh, that I expected big things from him during their, their preseason game, and he got a hat trick in that game as well. Uh, Willie Carlson will anchor that that top line, I think, to start with Mark Stone uh, on the right wing. So really a, a potent first group there. Then you follow that up with Jonathan Marchessault. And you could see Pacioretty and March Assault switch from time to time, but I think to start the year, it'll be March Assault on that second line, uh, centered by Paul Statsny, who dealt with some injuries last year. If he's healthy, he could be a 50-point producer as well. And then Alex Tuck uh, on the right side there, 64 point, or, uh, 52 points in 74 games last year. Another candidate, I think that's right about where he'll be, 55 uh, points is, is what I look for him. The third line gets a little more interesting. You got Brandon Peary, who had 18 points in just 31 games last year, has been an AHL stud uh, for AHL Chicago for for a couple of years. And so I think you'll see him uh, take on a bigger role here. Cody Eakin centering that group and Riley Smith on the right hand side. Again, you could see uh, Smith and Tuke switch it up. But uh, I think for for the time being, especially on open night, Uh, Riley Smith will be in that third line role fourth line uh, I think the biggest name out there for the fourth line is uh, Thomas Nosek uh, who could challenge for top nine responsibilities but is there anybody else uh, that you see uh, in the mix well uh, there might not be anybody that I see in the mix AJ but I'm really scratching my head about the top two forward lines and why they want to switch them up over what we've seen 
to finish the year last year. Uh, they had the veterans, uh, Pacioretty, Stastny, and Stone on one unit. They lit it up from the moment they got together. And the, team, the line that has carried this team since its inception was Marjusso Carlson and Riley Smith. So I don't know why they would tinker with that mix. Uh, familiar, you talk about all these players that say, oh, I, I love playing with this, these line mates. I know where they're going to be on the ice. They have that in place with the, the, the latter unit and certainly the three veterans, like I said, hit the ice running last year but uh, you mentioned it in passing I'll say it I'll amplify it this is a maybe the team that's the class of the division here and uh, it, the forward ranks are the reason why uh, certainly they have insulated the top six guys with some quality in terms of depth they have William Carrier Valentin Zikoff in the wings Cody Glass is a guy with an up offensive upside that could threaten uh, or certainly fill in and in terms of any injury situations at the top units I don't think they'd hesitate to call this kid up and, and give him a taste of the NHL in a scoring line situation but in the meantime he continues to get valuable experience in the AHL and uh, Brandon Peary a guy who has been up and down with this club in the past 18 points in 31 games played another good injury insulation guy playing third line minutes if any of the top two left wingers get hurt Cody Eakin a guy a serviceable third line center one of the better scoring third line centers in the league I'll say and uh, the only thing that is a bit of a concern is the guy who was a policeman here Ryan Reeves will miss training camp with the lingering effects of injuries that he suffered last year to close out his season and earlier in the in the summer as well so he's banged up but uh, if he's healthy he'll hold down that policeman role and keep everybody honest and keep the flies off their scoring players here in terms of the blue line uh, they got some quality in terms of balance i'll say no really uh, lights out scoring type uh, other than maybe nate schmidt who tallied 30 points in 61 games played and shay theodore 37 points in 40 79 games so the best they can hope for is one of these two guys maybe threaten the 45 point mark but that's the ceiling here in terms of the scoring on the back end Braden mcnab and john merrill tallied 16 and 15 points respectively although merrill did his in 57 games uh, guy to keep an eye on in in terms of depth and uh, in the minors and and maybe university ranks from St. Cloud State, Jimmy Schultz totaled 35 points in 39 games and could get a shot to make the big club this season if he can uh, show that he can play at both ends of the ice. I'll say that's what they're looking for out of him. But beyond that, it's uh, plug-ins like Derek Englin and Nick Holden, some guys with veteran experience to play the defensive side of the puck more than produce offensive. Yeah, I think uh, Jimmy Schultz is probably their uh, has the opportunity to be their most productive blue liner uh, this season. I think there's definite possibility that he could anchor uh, and earn uh, some minutes on that top power play unit, uh, which is already stacked. Uh, you know, from the forward complement, certainly should be an option for the second unit, and uh, I would not be surprised to see him. Uh, be the leading scorer on this blue line next year. Uh, in terms of net mining, it's going to be Mark Andre Fleury leading the way again uh, for the Golden Knights. Saw him play uh, over 60 games last year, and that's the first time uh, that's happened for him since 2014 15. Uh, so it had been a couple years. Uh, got back over the 35, uh, back to the 35 win mark, which was something he was a lock for for, for much of his time in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, and you know, the one uh, maybe red flag that, that people will point to is the goals against average. But 2.51 is pretty on par uh, with his career numbers here. Uh, you know, I've mentioned in the past that every now and then he's going to throw up 
uh, a bad game for you. And, and that is still the case with this team. I think, uh, you know, people uh, were just kind of uh, expecting the 2.24 that he put up the first year in Vegas. And that's a career best goals against average for flurry i I think uh you're not going to see him quite there but i i certainly would be happy with 2.5 and he led the league in shutouts last year with eight and i expect that to be an option as well um when he's hot he's hot and he's almost unbeatable he'll have the occasional bad game but uh you know he is backed up by an offense that could score some points when that happens uh i would not be surprised to see him again get 60 games i know as as net miners have gotten older they tend uh to drop down closer to that 55 but this is a, a guy who wants to play every night and he's really continues to be the face of the franchise and a real leader on this team so you want him on the ice uh rather than on the bench so i think 60 uh games is certainly a possibility when he's not in the lineup i think malcolm suban has the inside track um but a bad showing at camp and his first goal allowed uh, in that preseason game was anything but spectacular uh garrett sparks could challenge him here in camp uh for a role but i think suban holds on to it heading into the season paul what do you think of these netminders i think you took too long to talk about mark andre Fleury, but i expected <laughs> that aj and uh, you were right on in the assessment here he's still the most valuable player in this franchise and uh, he's getting a little long in the tooth so uh time will come where they're going to need one of the other guys to emerge but for now i think you could pencil him in for a repeat of what we've seen in the past and that's hanging around the 68 played mark and he should threaten the 35 win mark and there's nothing wrong with a 2.5 goals against average buddy so uh, i i think if he just uh, does a repeat of last year it can be fully expected and uh, i think he could really easily deliver that so with that before we go into our our projected final standings we want to remind people that we want to promote the rotowire online championships via the nfhc AJ, uh, our listeners should be happy that we're, we're proud to announce the inaugural Rotowire Fantasy Hockey Online Championship hosted by the NFHC, and you and I are both hopeful of getting into this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a great opportunity to play um, some high stakes contests, uh, you know, in hockey, which is something that can be a little bit tricky to find. So, uh, you know, you can play against other Rotowire listeners. Uh, we hope to have some expert leagues, uh, and these contests have, at the end of the year, a $10,000 grand prize. Um, if that entry fee, uh, there will be 12 team leagues, 20 round uh, drafts, $350 entry fee, uh, cash prizes for the individual league, and that overall championship that i mentioned but if that price tag is a little bit uh too high for your pocketbook they do have 25 dollar contests as well uh over on nfhc so go on check the site rotowire.com slash high stakes excellent and with that aj i'll let you lead into your picks for the final standings in this division and then i'll rebut with mine Gosh, man, it is just, you know, I mentioned it last week. I said the Central Division was one of the hardest to pick uh, in terms of who would be on top, who would be on the bottom. And then I get to the Pacific Division and it's that much harder uh, to pick these teams as well. I have to go Vegas at the top. I I think the team is just too good. They're potentially adding a a point producing blue liner, which is something they haven't had uh, so far, you know, in their, their first two seasons. Uh, So I pick Vegas to, to win it. San Jose, this is a team that's going to be competing right there alongside them for the the division title. And so I think they're a factor as well. Vancouver, I love this team. I love everything they're bringing together. So I think they could tip the scales and get back into the playoffs 
here uh, and be third here. And Arizona, when you add a guy like Phil Kessel, has to be in contention, and I think they'll be a wild card team. What all this means is, once again, I did this last year, and woe to me for doing it again this year, but I have Calgary on the outside looking in. Uh, I know this is the team that won the division last year handily. We talked about uh, you know, the goalie situation is a little up in the air. Uh, their forward complement is great, but if you know if they do get a regression out of Mark Giordano, like you're expecting, Paul, uh, it certainly is not going to help them. And unfortunately, in just a competitive, tough division, it's so hard to pick Edmonton, despite having Connor McDavid as being a playoff team. And I know that's going to be if it happens again, uh, they're going to be you know at the gates with pitchforks here uh, <laughs> around that team. But I just can't see how the rest of this lineup gets them into the playoffs with everybody else that's in this division from here. The bottom is what you would expect. I think Anaheim remains on the bottom. They're just too young at this point. Uh, I think these guys need more time, another year or two to, to get them back to being a competitive team. And then LA, uh, there's just so many concerns on this team front, front end blue line even jonathan quick has in some ways become a concern as well so i pegged them uh, on the bottom here so uh yeah it's hard to keep calgary out it's hard to keep edmonton out but arizona's on the rise vancouver is a great team uh, and i think is going to surprise a lot of people uh, and be a playoff contender this year yeah i don't think there's too much divergence from my picks a couple of teams are swapping uh, slots but the first two i agree uh, totally with you vegas the cream of the crop in this division san jose behind them and not by a big margin either looking forward to a, a playoff series again between the, those two two teams and our buddy out west daniel legrano was all over me in the offseason because of that penalty call that cost his club but i'll stand <laughs> by my position we'll debate that when we get dan back on the show early this season but uh, looking forward to his take on on the club that he loves out there as well uh, but uh, for me i like vancouver a lot i predict they'll be th- uh, in this division the wild card contender if they don't win third place outright i think it's a flip of the coin for me between them and calgary and beyond that arizona they're on the on the rise but they're in a tough division and i think their ceiling is fifth place in this grouping edmonton anaheim and la will be distantly in the bottom of this uh lower ranking and maybe among the worst teams in the nhl all three of them i'll say so uh the top five will be feasting on them all season long and it'll be a long year for those clubs and a tough time in in the california where san jose will hold the bragging rights by a wide wide margin AJ, we want to also talk about FanDuel. It's coming in the new year uh, of the hockey season, and we've had a lot of fun with it over the baseball and basketball and and NFL football started up already, so there's something for everybody in that regard. But uh, what do you have to say about looking forward to FanDuel this season? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get in uh, on some hockey. But in the meantime, you know, uh, if you're a soccer fan like I am, you've got uh, Champions League action today. You can play uh, in those contests. Uh, the Premier League, obviously, on, on the weekends as well is, is a great opportunity to play uh, on some FanDuel. But, you know, if those aren't your cup of tea, they've got tennis, they've got WNBA, uh, although that's over now, but they've just got a ton of options. You can play golf, you can play NASCAR over on FanDuel. So just a ton of great contests that uh, really there's something for everybody over there and a great opportunity to, to get in on that while you're waiting for the hockey season to start. All right. Well, that wraps up the second of our preseason previews and we'll continue with our third one on September the 24th. I'll sign off on behalf of AJ. Uh, you've been listening to podcasts with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments or questions 
on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to podcasts to get our tips to have the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>